to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church on this Pentecost Sunday, where our mission is making healthy disciples who love Christ, love one another, and love the city. If you are a visitor with us this morning, we're so glad you're here. And we want to give you a gift before you leave uh, the worship service today. So when you go through the narthex doors, right at the double doors, go to the Welcome Center, and Covenant Partner will be waiting there to give you a gift. Hope by now you've had this bulletin in your hands and you've taken the time to look through all the great uh, announcements in the back of the schedule of the, of the bulletin. Many ways that you can find to connect with the life of First Presbyterian Church. One announcement I want to call your attention. As you can see, today is not only Pentecost Sunday, it's Communion Sunday. So you will be invited later in the worship service to come forward and receive communion. And there will be a gluten-free station over here. There will be stations on either side of the table. And you will be asked to take the bread and cup. Hold it. We'll all receive it together. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Let us pray. Praise and honor and glory to you, O Holy Spirit. You make our bread the communion of Christ's body to heal and reconcile and make us the body of Christ. You make our wine the communion of Christ's saving blood to redeem the world. You are truth. You come like the wind of heaven, unseen, unbidden. Like the dawn, you illuminate the world around us. You grant us a new beginning every day. You warm and comfort us. You give us courage and fire and strength beyond our everyday resources. Be with us now, Holy Spirit, as we worship you. May the prayers we say, the hymns we sing, your word we proclaim and the bread we break bring you all praise, honor, and glory. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I invite everyone to stand if you're able. We'll sing our first hymn.
Apostle John wrote in John chapter 3, Friends, the wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let us now confess our sin to God, to one another, and then individually in silence. Please join me in our prayer of confession. Eternal God, on this day of Pentecost, we confess that we have not always been open and receptive to you. Your spirit surrounds and empowers us, yet we are so very careful and cautious. Forgive your church for its lack of courage and nerve. Forgive us when we hoard rather than share or when we ignore rather than engage. Forgive us when we doubt the guidance of your wise spirit. Forgive us when we lose confidence in the power of your mighty spirit. Forgive us when we lack the compassion of your generous spirit. Humble us when we are strong. Affirm us when we are weak. Grieve us when we trust only in ourselves and surround us when we are lost. Now more than ever, help us to open our lives to your Holy Spirit and to live courageously. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Friends, hear this good news. All the promises of God find their yes in Christ. This is why we utter the amen through him to the glory of God. It is God who has put his seal upon us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. In Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are redeemed. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Having confessed our sin to God and been assured of our forgiveness, let us now stand, if you are able, and affirm our faith as we say the Nicene Creed together and begin with answering this question. Christians, what do we believe? We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally bought of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. 
We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to see you this morning. 176 years ago, approximately on the day of Pentecost, First Presbyterian Church, or the group that would become First Presbyterian Church, held its first service in San Antonio. They had come from Columbia, Texas, and after journeying for several weeks, they finally arrived and had their first service in or around this Pentecost Sunday. Now that's an important thing to remember because Pentecost Sunday is the day that we celebrate, is the day that the Lord poured out the Holy Spirit on the church so that we could take his word to all the world. First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio, 176 years ago, was established as a church to be a launching point for mission excuse me, and ministry, not only into Texas, but also in New Mexico. And so this church began as a mission church on Pentecost Sunday 176 years ago. And for the last 174 years, we have sent out mission teams from this church to spread the good news and the compassion of Jesus Christ all over the world. Now, why did I say 174 years? Because as you all know, for the last couple of years, We've been locked down. We've not been able to send out our mission teams as we have done regularly for so many years. But this year, this summer, as we go into this Pentecost season, we once again get to celebrate the fact that we are not only sending one mission team, but we are sending out four different mission groups into not only San Antonio, but all over the world this summer. We're going to be sending a mission team to, we're going to be sending our youth out into uh, San Antonio to do mission work here. We're going to be sending a team to Uganda, to Spain, and to the Dominican Republic. And to celebrate that, that this morning and to commission those teams, we've asked representatives from those teams to come forward and to be commissioned. Now, this is a small group. This is not the whole team. But remember, we have three services this morning, and we asked them to show up at different services so that they could uh, be commissioned and so that we could all participate in what God is doing in the church. So I'd like to invite members of our 2022 mission teams to come forward so that they can be commissioned this morning. If you all would come on up. Any other members of these mission teams here? Come on up here. We're going to make you come all the way up the steps. If you can, come, if you can go all over the world, you can at least come up the steps. <laughs> So 
So we are, we're glad that this year we are once again able to claim the gift of the Holy Spirit, that power, that fire that sends us out into the world so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ and the compassion of our Lord with people in other countries. Now, you all, Mike, uh, uh, Ellen, where are you all going? You all going to Uganda? Uganda? And Gary, how about you all? Dominican Republic. And Danielle, you're also going to Spain too, aren't you? Okay. That's right. And at, she's getting her frequent flyer miles on, on the church's mission. Yeah. And then, and then Alex, where you're going to be leading where? Right here in San Antonio. Right here in San Antonio, leading our youth ministry. And so we're excited to be able to, on this Pentecost Sunday, to commission them to the work that they are going to do. And so what I'd like to do at this time is to ask you all to not only claim this commissioning, but to claim the gifts and the promises of baptism, which is sufficient commissioning for the work that we do as disciples. But I would ask you also to answer these questions. Do you acknowledge that you go to serve on this mission as a response to God's grace, knowing God's love through the person and work of Jesus Christ, and so share God's love with the world? Will you? Jesus Christ did not come but to serve, but to, uh, not to be served, but to serve, giving his life as a ransom for many. As you go, will you serve as Christ has served, including your team and the people where God takes you? Will you? I will. Will you share Christ's love in all you do with your lips, with your labor, and with all of your life? Will you? I will. And will you share stories of God's glory when you return so that our FPC family will learn from you and grow with you and responding to God's grace through participating in his work of redemptive restoration in, the, in our neighborhoods and among the nations. Will you? Will. Would you join me in praying for them? Oh Lord, as we come together this morning, we thank you that, that these wonderful disciples are here representing larger teams who will be going out on behalf of this church to share your love, to share your great good news as disciples of your Son. We thank you that you have gathered them and that you have empowered them, and Lord, now that you have commissioned them so that they may truly be not only disciples but apostles of your grace, ambassadors of your truth, and distributors of your love. We ask you this morning, O oh God, to be with them as they travel, to prepare them as they pack, to, to inspire them as they read your word, and Lord, to encourage them as they share the love that, you've been given, that, that they have been given. Now, Lord, we just pray not only for them, but for their families who will support them. We pray for this congregation that supports them, and we ask you, O oh Lord, to remember the bonds of truth and the bonds of peace that unite us all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to remind you of something. In the Mose lobby, as you came in this morning, you may have seen a couple of baskets of wristbands. Those baskets of wristbands have the names of our mission team members on them. And what we're going to ask you to do is to pick up one or two of those wristbands and wear them around till these guys get back. It's a reminder to pray for them. It's a reminder to, uh, to hold them up. It's a reminder to think about them and to encourage their families while they're gone. But we believe that God has sent us as a church and as individual disciples into mission in his world. And so with that in mind, would you join me in thanking this group as they prepare for their mission?
may the love of God, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Thank you. All right. As we prepare to receive our morning offering, let me call your attention to the friendship registers that are in the pew along the center aisle. If you're sitting next to one, would you take it, um, fill out the information there that's pertinent to you, and pass it down the row. And even as you pass it, engage with each other. Smile, say hi, welcome, especially if you find someone in your row that is first-time visitor with us gives us the opportunity to interact. It also gives us information. And we do use this. This is not just a time gap filler uh, in our service. So uh, make sure that you, you do participate with those friendship pads. Giving is very much worship. And as we join together this morning for giving of his tithes and our offerings, let's continue in worship together as our ushers come forward.
Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we can participate together in your kingdom purposes through these tithes, your tithes, and our offerings. We pray that you would multiply these gifts in the hearts and lives of, of people around us. Give us opportunities to reach out and to reach in. Thank you for your blessings in our lives and the privilege that it is to give and to serve and to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. hear God's word and to come to the Lord's table, I invite you now to greet one another, but I want you to do it this way. As the ancient church used to do, I want you, like you to stand up and just turn to those around you and extend to them the peace of Christ by saying, the peace of Christ be with you. Peace of Christ be with you. Now, I just said to turn to the people right around you. I didn't say walk all the way to the back of the sanctuary. That's, I love seeing that, though. That's wonderful. The gospel tell us, the Gospels tell us that the Holy Spirit came twice upon the disciples of Jesus. First, the Holy Spirit came on them in a very personal way. Way on the night of his resurrection, weeks before Pentecost, the resurrected Jesus stood before his disciples and the apostle John, who was there in that room, tells us that Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. 
On that first Easter evening, Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit onto each of his disciples. This was a powerful moment for the disciples because it was extremely personal. Jesus, in person, poured out his Holy Spirit into each one of them. And then for the next 40 days, from that night until the time that Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit opened their minds and he opened their hearts to receive God's revelation as Jesus taught them and as he prepared them and as he trained them, connecting the dots, answering their questions, working this truth, the truth of Scripture, the truth of God's revelation, not only into their minds, but into their very souls, opening their eyes and making all things clear. For the next 40 days, Jesus would be pouring his truth into them. He was pouring his truth into them, giving them the content that they would preach and that they would teach and that they would write about for decades to come. God was forming them. God the Holy Spirit was shaping them. He was shaping their personal faith and their knowledge. But we need to understand that faith, the faith that they received, the training that they received for the next 40 days, was never supposed to be kept private. And finally, after 40 days, their training, this massive download of God's truth and revelation was complete. And Jesus told them, the Holy Spirit is about to come to you again. But this time... The Spirit was going to be poured out on them for a different purpose. This time, it would be a public purpose. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then about 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, God delivered his promise of the Holy Spirit so that his people could deliver his promises to the world. The Holy Spirit, promised by Jesus, first breathed into the disciples on the night of Easter, now manifested itself in full bloom of its power. And the students of Jesus, his disciples, became his apostles. They became his teachers, his ambassadors, his heralds, his representatives. The church was born on the day of Pentecost, 33 AD, to carry the mission of Jesus Christ to the world. And on the day of Pentecost, the personal gift of the Holy Spirit went public. We find the story in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. You can read along in your pew Bible or in your bulletin or on the screens behind me. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O oh Lord, we know that this is your word. It is completely true and it is given in love. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. A couple of years ago, my son Bo and I were upstairs in our house, and as I left his room, I thought I smelled something that smelled a little bit like smoke. I wasn't sure. You know that kind of that ozone-y electrical smell like sounds like it smells like something's been turned on but then it was turned off really quickly and maybe there's just a little whiff or a puff of smoke well there was there was something wrong we could tell that there was something up and so we started looking around and we couldn't find anything morgan went outside and we didn't really know what was going on until i heard her calling back inside that there were actually flames coming through the roof of our house up the side of one of our dormers because there was a fire in the attic. And I'll tell you what, you know, smoke may make you curious, but fire on your roof, that gets your attention. And it did. It got my attention. Well, if we look at this story today, you'll see that God wanted to get the attention of the early church. If we look at the story, you'll see that even though the disciples did what Jesus commanded and returned to Jerusalem, even though they went back to the city, they were still huddled in the upper room. Jesus had breathed the Holy Spirit and he had trained them and he had empowered them each personally, but they were still keeping that knowledge. They were still keeping that truth and that love to themselves. But then in this incredible display of strange and supernatural power that the eyewitnesses could only describe in terms of wind and fire, the Holy Spirit came upon them again. And the next thing we know, the disciples were outside proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ in languages from all over the world. And here's the point. The disciples began the day of Pentecost inside. But then they took it outside. On Pentecost, they took what was inside and took it outside. They took what was personal and even up to that point private and went public. On Pentecost, the personal faith of the Gospels, the good news of Jesus Christ went public. They went public with their message and they went public with the compassion of Jesus. When the personal transformation of the Holy Spirit becomes visible, it becomes fire and it gets people's attention. The story of Pentecost and the unfolding of the book of Acts is about getting the world's attention with the fire of the gospel. Now, if we survey scripture, we'll see that fire has all kinds of meanings, from the literal to the symbolic. And among those meanings is the representation that fire 
is the physical, visible, manifest presence of God. The visible fire equals the presence of God. When the Lord wants to get our attention, he sends fire. Now we see this for the first time really in the book of Exodus in chapter 3. When the Lord wanted to get Moses' attention. When he wanted to get Moses' attention, he appeared in fire. In the burning bush. Exodus 3 says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Now again, here's what's happening. Moses is up on the mountain, tending his flocks, and he sees a bush on fire, but there's something strange about it. It's not actually being consumed. It's not actually burning up. What does that mean? That's strange. That's different. You don't see that every day. Now last week, at the end of the passage we read, we read that the author of Hebrews said that God is a consuming fire. He wrote, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a, underline this, consuming fire. Now, what does he mean there? What that means is that, in the words of the apostle who wrote the book of Hebrews, the sovereignty of God is like a prairie fire. And he, but he's talking about that time when the Lord returns. When the Lord returns, nothing will escape the consuming justice of his holiness. When the Lord becomes a consuming fire, watch out. But I want us to go back to the burning bush for a second. Because even though the author of Hebrews talks about the Lord as a consuming fire, in the burning bush we see that the fire is what? It's not consuming. The burning bush, the fire of the burning bush, the fire of Pentecost is different because again, remember, Moses looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. The fire of the bush and the fire of Pentecost is different because it does not consume. What does that mean? What am I getting at here? I want you to think about this. A regular fire provides both heat and light. A regular fire provides both heat and light. But I want you to think about this. It provides that heat and light at a cost. It consumes. It will give heat and light, but in the process, it takes everything. A regular, normal fire consumes. It destroys. It burns. That's a regular fire. This is something different. This is an even more amazing thing. This is a fire that does not consume. Yes, it gives heat and light, but it does not destroy. The non-consuming fire gives heat and light, but it doesn't destroy. It doesn't burn. A normal fire burns up and destroys what it burns. But not so with the Holy Spirit. The fire of Pentecost burns independently of us. 
It doesn't destroy us because it's over us. It's above us. It's not our fire. It's not us. We are not the ones who are burning. It's his fire. And that makes it categorically different. The burning bush was light and heat, but no destruction. And the Holy Spirit is a fire that can heat and light the world, but will not destroy it. The risen Christ stood before his awestruck disciples and said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You fishermen, you tax collectors, you farmers, you peasants and former prostitutes, you shepherds and you scholars, you faithful but ordinary human people, God has a purpose and a mission for you. You will receive the same presence, the same promise, the same power that has been with me, that is to say that has been with Jesus this whole time so that you can deliver the promises of God to the world. God was going to empower his adopted children by the Holy Spirit just as he had empowered his own biological son. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. And on the day of Pentecost, the same God that kept his promise to raise Jesus from the dead fulfilled his promise to send the Holy Spirit. And Acts 2 says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And look what happens after that day. From the day of Pentecost on, the followers of Jesus started doing the kinds of things that Jesus did. From Pentecost on, they were changed people. They stopped hiding and boldly proclaimed the gospel in public. In spite of being beaten, in, in spite of imprisonment, in spite of torture and banishment and even death. God gave them supernatural courage and they just kept coming back for more. God never abandoned them. Even when they were trapped in prison, Paul and his friends proclaimed Jesus Christ to their jailers. What else happened? They healed the sick. They raised the dead. They spoke in tongues. They cast out demons. What else? They traveled farther than most people of their age would ever have considered. They spread the gospel from Spain to India. The Spirit told them where to go, and it told them where not to go, what to do and what to say. And most of all, people like Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Peter and Paul and James and Jude not only taught God's word, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they wrote it down so that the truth of God would never be lost. If I had to sum all of that up, I would say this, that they caught fire. And that fire spread all over the world. The early Christians not only followed the model of Christ, they were empowered by the Spirit of Christ. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. 
When the Lord wants to get our attention, he sends fire. And when he wants to get the world's attention, he lights the fire, the visible fire of the Holy Spirit in us. So what does the visible fire of the Holy Spirit look like? Do we have to see tongues of fire, jets of flames to believe in the Holy Spirit? No. But there are signs of God's presence, of the Holy Spirit's presence. Look again at the passage. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. How many of you have ever seen the wind? None of us have ever seen the wind, but we see the branches moving in the wind. We see the things blowing in the wind. We see the things that the wind moves. We don't actually see the wind, but we know of its presence. We know of its reality because we see how it moves things from a branch to a boat. People don't see the wind, but they see what it does. And God has told us how to tell when the wind of the Holy Spirit is moving the branches. How do we know when God the Holy Spirit is moving, blowing through us? Well, we see it present and blowing when we see it first in character. The Apostle Paul writes that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We see the power of the Holy Spirit when we actually see people moving with those qualities. The author of Hebrews describes the things that he noticed, the ways that he saw the wind moving through the people of God, the things that stood out to him, brotherly love, hospitality, mercy and solidarity with those who are persecuted for Jesus' sake. We see it when marriage is honored and upheld. We see it in the freedom from the love of money and contentment with what we have in God. We see it when we imitate godly leaders. And we see it in the knowledge and the truth of sound belief. And so we see, first of all, that, that the presence of the Holy Spirit is manifest in character. But we also get a glimpse of the fire of the Holy Spirit manifest in spiritual gifts like wisdom and knowledge, faith and healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, and interpretation. But I want you to understand this. The fire of the Holy Spirit is not seen most in the power, but in the character that it produces. And so people will turn their attention to the Lord when they see the visible fire of God in us. When people see us burning with a fire for Christ, a fire for one another, and a fire for the city, a fire for our neighbors and the nations, they will begin to take this Holy Spirit, this God, this Savior seriously. As a matter of fact, I don't believe that the world will ever take the gospel seriously until they see us taking the gospel seriously seriously the bible says that you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth 
Today, as we celebrate the day of Pentecost, we remember that God's Holy Spirit still empowers people to draw the world's attention to Christ. The visible fire of the Holy Spirit is not just something people see in us, but it is a way that we illuminate the world by His Word and His truth. People will see the fire of the Holy Spirit in us, but it is also the light by which we see the world, by which we see other people, by which we see the reality around us, by which we see opportunities to serve. How do people see the Holy Spirit in us? How do people see the fire of the Holy Spirit in us? Well, we just commissioned representatives from mission teams. I hope that you will go out today and into the Mose lobby and get some of these bracelets. What are these bracelets? Are these, you know, are these just reminders of the names of those who will be going on these trips, or are they reminders to seek the holy presence of the Holy Spirit and reminders of that fire that we can see that represents the God, the Holy Spirit, that we cannot see? As these mission teams go out today, as Alex goes out, as Lisa goes out, as Mike goes out, don't worry, there are lots of other bracelets out there. As you see these bracelets, as you wear these, and as you pray, I want you to pray that God would, excuse me, that that people would see the Holy Spirit of God in our mission teams, that the work of the Holy Spirit would become fire for them, that it would become real and manifest. You know, that is the purpose That is the goal of the Holy Spirit, to take that which is invisible and to make it tangible, visible to us. When these men and women, when these mission team members conduct the ministry of simply showing up, they will be showing the people to whom they they visit that they understand and that they worship a God who wanted to make his love Real. We wanted to make his grace real to them. What are the ways that you are making the invisible spirit of God a visible fire that gets people's attention? What light and what heat are you bringing to the lives of your community, of your family, of your neighborhood that will draw people's attention? to Jesus Christ. How is God manifesting his fire in you? Is the Holy Spirit visible in us? Go and be a fire that the world can see. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come together today around your table, As we send forth these missionaries, we ask that you would just light a fire in us so that people will not only hear your truth, but so that they will see it and feel it, so that they will understand that you are real, and so they will know that indeed you are God. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by the same power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we look at the Gospel of John, 
chapter 16, we'll see that, that the Holy Spirit had an important job. His job is to make the truth of God real to us. It is to make it powerful. And fire gives us both light by which may, we may see his truth and heat by which we may feel it. That same spirit comes to us around the Lord's table as he comes into this sacrament to make this, this time, this moment, this event, a real expression of what God has done for us in our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he comes into our presence and he comes to this table and he sets aside this cup and this bread to remind us that God's love for us is just as real as the bread that we put in our mouths and the cup that we bring to our lips. That God's love for us is just as real as the Savior who gave his life on the cross and was raised again for us. It reminds us that these are not imaginary things, but rather they are real. Though they are invisible, like the fire of Pentecost, this bread and this cup remind us of the reality of the living God, of his power and his grace. And so we taste and we see that the Lord is good. The Holy Spirit reminds us that God's love for us is real and that Jesus Christ, God with us, Emmanuel, lived a real life so that we would know that our God's love is real, that his suffering was real, and that his promises are real. So, beloved, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. Come, people will come from east and west and north and south to sit at table in the kingdom. We come to this table not because we must, but because we may. We do not come to fulfill a requirement but to receive a gift. And we do not come because we are worthy. We come because we are invited. And we are invited not because we are ourselves righteous, but because we are forgiven and made righteous by Jesus Christ. All who trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and who have been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are welcome at this table. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good, that his fire, his truth, and his love are real. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come together around this table, as we come together as this body of Christ that we call First Presbyterian Church, we are thankful for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit that we read about in the book of Acts and that we have seen throughout the church history of the work of your spirit in the hearts and lives of those who truly trust and are committed to you. As you empowered your early church, we pray that you now would empower us individually and collectively and guide and direct us through your spirit that is alive and well in our hearts and our lives. Open our eyes and our hearts to, to know and understand what it means to be led 
by your spirit. We pray that that what comes from your spirit in the way of hope and healing would be available to those that are in need of your healing touch in their lives today. We lift them up to you and pray that you would give them that sense of your peace and your presence with them. Give them your healing touch. And we pray that you would be with their caregivers, both professional and family. We pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit to to be with those who are grieving the loss of friends or loved ones. We grieve, but we don't grieve without hope. We pray that your Holy Spirit would comfort our hearts with the knowledge of the power and authority of Christ's death and resurrection. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to give guidance and direction to the rulers of this world, locally and globally. We pray that you would give us, through your Holy Spirit, comfort in your sovereignty and help us to trust that you are in control. We pray for your continued pouring out of your spirit on the leadership of this church as we seek to serve you here within these walls and in this city and throughout the world. And as we come together around this table, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be present with us in these natural elements, that you would be present with us as we hold the bread and as we hold the cup and remind us of what Jesus Christ has done, the sacrifice that you have given for us so that we could take part in your kingdom purposes. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be present in everything that we do this morning around this table and that through these natural elements we would receive supernatural nourishment. Guide and direct us. We lift this up to you and ask your blessing on this time of communion together. In Jesus' name, amen. As it was given unto me, so now I give it unto you, that on the night that our Lord was betrayed, he sat at table with his disciples. And after supper, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, our Lord took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink you all of it and do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And beloved, he will come again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come, for the table is prepared and he is calling for you.
Beloved, this is the body of Christ, the bread of life. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And this is the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation, given for the, re- for the remission of sins. Take and drink you all of it and do this in remembrance of me. Would you please stand and pray with me? O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. On the day of Pentecost, you empowered us not only to know that, in fact, you are real, but so that we might take that reality to all the world, so that we might declare your truth, your praise to all peoples, to all nations in languages that they can understand, empowered by, by a force that we do not understand, that is your Holy Spirit. But we know, O oh Lord, that you love us and that you send us forth. And by these ordinary gifts, spread in this cup that you've set aside to an extraordinary purpose, you remind us that your love for us is real, that your fire that gives light and heat but does not destroy is real, and that we are sent forth into the world to know you, to declare you, to serve you, and to show forth your love. So, Lord, we thank you that we are reminded of these things, not only by your word, but at your table. And now, Lord, as as we are gathered here as your people, we ask you to empower us to live as Jesus lived, to love as Jesus loved, and to pray as Jesus prayed, as we sing together the prayer he taught us.
How would you raise your hands to receive this blessing? Now go forth into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine full upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.